Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm your humble host, Allison Kilkenny, flying solo on a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in New York City. I should be sitting in a dang park, but I'm recording the show because I love you all very much, and there's just so much to talk about. We're going to jump right into it in a second, but... um. I'm just going to vent a little up top because this is a safe space and um, it's my show and I get to do whatever I want. So here's the thing. Let me just say I know everyone means well, right? It's a very stressful time. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. Everybody's just trying to do the best they can right now. But I have learned... And maybe you can relate to this. I have learned that I know so many people who think lying is a hack. Where we're all talking a lot about the vaccine, obviously, here here in New York City. Vaccines are in, shall we say, short supply. Andrew Cuomo is so busy sexually harassing his staff. He really, you know, it's hard to set one's priorities when you're horny literally all the time. So... I get it. Everybody's stressed right now. But I have so many friends who are like, did you know if you just go to a vaccine site and say your BMI is a certain level, they give you the vaccine. And I'm like, right, because you're lying. You're lying, Sarah. That's how you got the vaccine. You're a liar. And I could lie too, you know. But I don't know. I have this like weird, um, what do you call it, morality, morals? Is that what I, when you want to do good? And I'm like, I should wait. I should wait, right? And then I have very well-meaning people in my life who are like, you're near a vaccination site. And I'm like, I know that. Um, it's still 50 and over right now. They did lower it from, it was 65, then 60, then now it's 50, which is good. We're making progress. But they're like, you're near one. You can go right now. And I'm like, I could go. But they're going to say, are you 50 or older? And it's pretty clear I'm not 50 or older. I hope. Oh, my God, I hope. That would really ding my ego if I went and they were like, she's clearly over 50. Get out of her way. She's very frail. That would hurt. So I don't want to even tempt fate, you know? So everybody means well. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, if one more person asked me, did you get the vax? I'm going to kill somebody. And it's not my fault. Legally, if someone asks me again, am I vaccinated and I kill them, I cannot be held accountable for my actions. And you can play this podcast episode in court. I don't give a shit, Your Honor. So um, that's my little rant. Thank you for listening. I wanted to thank Aaron, who's my newest Patreon supporter. And they wrote in with an excellent recommendation very important recommendation. A lot of you are dicking around. You know what I mean? Where you send in your little recommendations and you're like, look at this wood turning video. And it doesn't help anybody but yourself. And you're selfish. By the way, I'm on season um, eight of Drag Race. If you're wondering what I've been watching, you bad me good. But Aaron, Aaron has a good recommendation like good for the soul recommendation. And they write, currently we're seeing a record number of anti-trans bills in the U.S. Bills that would prevent trans youth from playing in sports as their identified gender. Others that would make trans health care for youth a felony. Health care providers could be put in jail for providing gender-affirming health care. And that actually reminded me, Aaron, I had a story that I wanted to get to in the bad news section about a bill that advanced in the Alabama legislature on Tuesday that would prevent trans youth, young people, excuse me, in the state from accessing puberty blockers and hormone treatment by making it a felony to prescribe the medications to anyone under 19, which I believe is what you're referring to, but specifically this was in Alabama. 
The legislation would also ban gender-affirming surgery, although the pediatrician responsible for leading a program for trans youth at the University of Alabama at Birmingham Hospital says that gender-affirming surgeries are never done on minors in the state. That's a whole thing. Like, anti-trans people try to prevent it as though they're doing these gender-affirming surgeries on, like, babies. That's not the case. You have to jump so many hurdles to get gender affirming surgery that it's not like they're doing it on the whims of a child, you know, where a kid is like, I think I want this done. And everybody's like, okay, immediately. Like that, that's not how it happens. You have to go through a lot of therapy, a lot of meetings. Uh, it's a whole, it's a whole process. So by the time you do get your gender affirming surgery, uh, trust me, you know, you want it done. So Aaron continues, there are over 60 bills in over 20 states, which is just bananas. I'm worried about our trans youth. Aaron, you should be. I am too. My rec is an Instagram account for those who want to learn more about what's going on and how to help. Ugh, Aaron, perfect. So... A lot of people know this account, this individual, um, Chase Strongio is a lawyer with the ACLU, uh, Chase, spelled like Chase, S-T-R-A-N-G-E-O, Chase Strongio, who is doing weekly live updating on where those bills are at and how we can speak up. That sounds amazing. Um, I follow Chase. Y'all should follow Chase. Great resource for all things of this nature. You know, I do my best on this show, but you can only do so much. And I'm not trans. Guys, that's just the reality. So I try to be a good little ally, try to be woke. I'm sure I get a ton of shit wrong. Um, it's always okay to correct me. It's always okay to call me out. Um, I'll try not to get defensive, even on my worst day, <laughs> and just try to learn. So thank you so much. And actually, when Aaron signed up to support me, uh, guys, PayPal is awful and only allows you to use your government name. So I misgendered and deadnamed Aaron on Twitter. So for that, I apologize. And Aaron was so nice in very, very gently correcting me. Um, but yeah, you know, I fuck up. I really need to stop assuming the name you signed up with or the name on PayPal is your actual name. PayPal sucks. I'm sorry. It's just how they make you sign up. And I wish they didn't do that. I wish they allowed you to put in whatever name you wanted to be called by. So, um, I'll figure out a way to stop doing that and also be able to thank you on PayPal. That's the only reason I do that is I want to thank you for signing up. But if it means I'm dead naming people, maybe I should not do that anymore. So I'll figure it out. Uh, it's just verbal diarrhea at this point. Everybody, this is what happens when I don't have a co-host. Literally every thought I'm having is um, now on the show. So Liz, hi Liz, wrote in very boldly to the Light Treason email account wow, Liz, what a gamble, that I would check it, that I would see it, that I would read it on the show. And guess what? It paid off. I'm reading your email. So they write, I've been listening to your podcast since, is everybody sitting down? 2011. Wow. Earliest 2012, question mark. So either 2011 or 2012. Either way, Liz, damn, that's a long time. And you're still one of my favorite hosts, along with the Neffles, who your podcast introduced me to. <laughs> wow, what's up? A Neffles shout out on the show. Haven't had one of those in a minute. Hi, John and Molly. I'd be sad to see the podcast go to bi-weekly. A lot of my faves are bi-weekly or weekly, though. But also definitely understand the millennial job conundrum. Three jobs here and need for finding more balance. Liz Thank you. Thank you for understanding. Yeah, everybody, in case you missed that announcement, Light Trees and News is now bi-weekly. It truly, it was like either that or I had to stop the show. Because <laughs> like, 
my life is cray. I have like three, sometimes four jobs and uh, I was burning out. I really love the longer format shows and would love to see a spinoff pop culture podcast. Wow. And also really enjoy the mix of politics and pop culture that Light, Light Treason offers as well as the conspiracy theory bonus episodes. Yes, if you sign up at my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, Mr. Charles Rockhill and I were going through some of our favorite internet conspiracies. We got to do that again. But he's so busy. I'm so busy. It's just tricky. We'll figure it out. You don't need to know any of that. Thanks for podcasting for so long. I'm 800 years old. And making sure to, and making such delightful content despite the ups and downs of the actual world and your personal life. Liz, thank you for acknowledging I'm a mess. I hope Penny and Desmond are okay. I was concerned to hear about Penny's vet Oh my God, vet visit. And pretty, please provide pets or scratches or feigned indifference or whatever their preferred type of affection is on behalf of myself and probably basically all your listeners. Yeah, everybody, um, my cats are, how old are they now? 17? Maybe 18? They're old. You know, Penny's doing the best she can, but she old. So vet visits are pretty regular. Um, she's trucking along, but she old. You know, she's doing the best she can. So um, Penny's basically the mascot of 2021. She's busted. And she's um, slow and mad all the time, but she's doing the best she can. 2021. Did I say 2012? I don't know. Nobody's here to correct me. I feel free, but I also feel afraid, you know, because I'm like, I could literally be saying one wrong thing after another and no one's here to be like, Allison, you literally just said nonsense. That did not make sense what you just said. But you know what? Everybody's going to have to deal. Let's do recommendations. I'm just going to say this. And I hope you're not driving. If you're driving, pull over. If you pulled over, turn off the engine. But stay strapped in. Keep your seatbelt on. Because what I'm about to say might blast you out of the damn car. Okay? I like the Snyder Cut. Sorry. Sorry, feminists. Don't you come for me on Twitter with your little hashtags and clever gifts that take me a second to understand them. Don't do it, all right? Let me explain myself before I'm fucking canceled. And then I have to get brunch with Meghan McCain because she's my only friend who will talk to me. Can I just explain myself? Thank you. I don't support the toxic culture surrounding the release the Snyder Cut movement, okay? I understand that these little fucking loser trolls came for you on Twitter and were very mean. And listen, are there a million other causes they could be devoting their time and energy to that would benefit humanity? Of course, but that's beside the point, okay? Comic book films in general are a fucking waste of time in our lives. I recognize that. I love them. But I recognize when I'm sitting as an adult, I mean, a few years ago, right? In a movie theater, watching anything from the MCU, because I'm a Marvel zombie. Sorry, DC heads. I recognize I'm wasting my life, all right? Comic book films are trash. Uh, they're, they're propaganda for the US military. You're not telling me anything new when you very you know, snidely explain this shit on Twitter. I get it. I love them. I fully agree with what Scorsese said about them, where he said, you know, they're roller coasters, or however he phrased it. They're amusement park rides. Fuck yeah, they are. They're empty. They're loud. They're, they're brash. There's flashing lights. Colors everywhere. I'm trying to think about how to describe a roller coaster. Loop-de-loops. But they're fun. And I enjoy them. But a roller coaster is a roller coaster. It's not Citizen Kane. I get it. I get it. Here's the thing, though. 
So by now, everybody knows the backstory, more or less, right? Zack Snyder was the director who was going to make the Justice League movie. And uh, there, he experienced a horrible family tragedy. His daughter died by suicide. So uh, they proceeded to hand the film off to not just Joss Whedon, but um, another director, another intermediary director before Whedon got it. And then Whedon created what has since been called a Frankenstein of a film. Frankenstein's monster for you lit heads out there. Gross. Um, so he just butchered this dang thing. And actually, I have to say, I never saw Whedon's Justice League because I, I heard so many terrible things <laughs> about it, that it was bad, that it ruined the characters. Um, I wasn't super psyched about seeing a DC film anyway. The first DCU film that I saw that I actually enjoyed was Wonder Woman. And that has been the only one I've enjoyed since then. Oh, no, I tell a lie. I really liked Birds of Prey. So I liked Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman and I like Birds of Prey. I hate Jared Leto more than I can articulate. And I have no desire to ever see him play the Joker ever, 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 ever. So I was like, there's no need for me to see the Justice League. But then I heard about the Snyder Cut and... I was intrigued because, first of all, it's just over four hours, which is insane. But then I had heard that it actually is a different film and that it was butchered. And this was Zack Snyder's original vision. It's super dark. It's super self-serious. But it knows what it is and it embraces it. And I have a very trusted friend who I don't know if they want to be outed on this show, but they were texting me and they were like, you should watch it because I think it's going to be culturally relevant. And what are you doing anyway? You're just sitting at home complaining that you're bored. Just watch the Snyder Cut. It's on HBO Max. You have access to HBO Max. Go watch it. It's not like I have to pay $30 to see it, you know? So I was like, fine. So I watch it. And I can't say that I even like it or that I would ever watch it again. I certainly wouldn't watch it again because it's over four hours, which is ridiculous. But I get it now. I do get it. And I get why people were angry that it had been butchered and they wanted his original cut released. I'm really glad that Zack Snyder got his original vision out there. I think it sucks that that movie was taken from him when his daughter died and it was ruined, and it was ruined from what I understand. And I do really, really want to give him credit for the flash scenes in the film, which are beautiful. There's one flash scene, I won't give context in case you haven't seen it yet or you're planning to watch it, that is so beautiful, and I've watched it maybe eight times. <laughs> like I'm fully obsessed with his portrayal of the flash, Hey, it's weird we don't talk about the fact that Ezra Miller fully assaulted a woman in a bar, right? That's kind of weird. Here's how weird it is, okay? In case you don't remember this story, it happened a, a few years ago when Justice League first came out. It was in Reykjavik, Iceland. I believe Vanity Fair or Variety, one of the V magazines, first covered it. They got access to video footage of Ezra Miller fully assaulting a woman in a bar. He, I think he like choked her and she ended up on the floor or he pushed her to the floor. It was really, really bad. It was violent. He was drunk in the video um, and multiple people confirmed it's real. Uh, the guy who shot the video of the bar, they all confirmed this happened. It wasn't like a joke. Ezra Miller assaulted a woman in a bar. And if you're unfamiliar, Ezra Miller is the actor who plays The Flash, which is why I'm talking about it right now. Great actor. This was a horrible, horrible crime. It's not even on his Wikipedia page. That's weird, right? It was almost like we got together as a society and we were like, we're not going to talk about this, which feels weird because it was right before the Me Too stuff, I think, officially popped off. My timeline might be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. I feel like he he got in his assault of a woman just under the wire. 
Otherwise, he fully would have been canceled for this. And he's never, as far as I know, apologized for it, been held accountable for it in interviews. And it's not even on his Wikipedia page, which is weird. So I just wanted to bring that up. Because I think it's weird. Now, having said that, um, Zack Snyder, the flash scenes are bomb. Cyborg is a completely different character from what I've heard. Uh, in the Whedon Justice League, he apparently reduced these characters to very one-dimensional, cartoon-like, quippy, um, colorful nonsense, which is what Whedon does, right? Look at Buffy, look at anything he's touched before that. Uh, sorry to phrase it that way. Whedon is also a creepy scumbag. So it's almost impossible to talk about pop culture without a million caveats about all of the creepy men involved in creating the art. <laughs> I feel like I could keep digressing for hours about how creepy um, men are. But to stay somewhat on track, in the Zack Snyder version of the Justice League, Flash and Cyborg get these amazing introductions that, that we didn't get in the Whedon version. Now, these introductions are like 50 minutes each. <laughs> Maybe not that long, but they're very, very long. But they offer all of this rich background, which this film really needed, because unlike the MCU, we don't get introductory films about these characters. So we never got a Flash film before Justice League. We never got a Cyborg film before Justice League. I think that really would have benefited DCU, but they don't want to do that. They're trying to distinguish themselves from MCU. Okay, 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 whatever. But if you don't do that and you don't introduce the characters, we don't care about the characters. Snyder, to his credit, was like, mm, I need like four hours to do this. And guess what? He was right. Because you need to introduce these characters, you need to develop some kind of rapport between them so we care when we get to this amazing climactic scene that I won't spoil, but involves characters saving other characters. Now I care about these characters. I would have loved, loved a Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman standalone film in which they developed these characters even more. I also do think the DCU would benefit from injecting a little bit of levity and humor into their films. You don't have to go full MCU with it. I know a lot of hardcore comic book fans don't like the MCU because they're so funny, they're so quippy. I'm from the comedy world, I like that, so I'm a fan, obviously. But if you don't like Whedon, there's a million people you could get to punch up these scripts and guess what? People really like when the Flash is funny. People really like when there's like quippy dialogue between the Flash and Aquaman or the Flash and Batman. Audiences like that. So why run from that, right? It endears those characters to us. So what else did I want to talk about? Um, oh, yeah. I really don't envy parents who, I mean, in general, I could have just said period after that. But say you have a kid who comes to you and they're like, there's a new Superman film? Can I watch it? And you have to be like, no, because Superman's fully psychotic in this film and he's trying to murder the Justice League. And it just makes me sad because I feel like we adults have taken comic book films from children. <laughs> Where we're like, you can't watch this. This one's dark and it's for me and I have to be alone with it. Like, it feels like Arrested Development for sure. I'm, I'm trying not to be, like, finger-wagging about it. Where it's like, because I enjoy it. Um, please, please don't take my comic book trash films from me. But also, I kind of feel bad for kids. Because it's like, oh, they can't watch this? Because it's too scary. And it's for us. But, like, we got to have those stories when we were kids. So why can't little kids have... Do you guys get what I'm saying? And I know they have, like, Frozen. But say you're a kid who doesn't like Frozen. But you like superheroes. But you can't watch... You can't watch Justice League. <laughs> it's so 
scary. Superman's so scary in it. I'm sorry. I don't care what sort of bullshit faux scientific explanation they tried to explain why Batman wasn't immediately incinerated by Superman attacking him. (laughs) Superman is a god. If he attacks you, it's over, right? Which made another scene, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but he almost attacks Flash at one point, and it's really scary because it's like, oh, he's going to murder Barry. He's just going to absolutely murder him. And then he full-on blasts Bruce, Batman, and Batman doesn't die because I guess he's wearing these, like, shields that Jeremy Irons gave him. I don't know, you guys. I don't know. The logic. The logic of the film doesn't always hold up. But anyway, it is a recommendation for me if you happen to have four-plus hours where you're like, dang, I'm bored. Dang, I wish I could burn four hours. Maybe watch the Snyder Cut. You might like it. Um, but also don't be a toxic dickhead online. And I really, really hope this doesn't set a precedent where studios cave to the mob and just start doing whatever they want. In this case, the mob happened to be right, but I'm nervous that it'll be used to get movies shelved, get directors fired, get actors fired. You know, we saw a ton of racist bullying during... Uh, the uh, the Star Wars films. I'm nervous that, I mean, we already have seen the mob unleashed for bad reasons. And I just don't want studios to start caving to them whenever that happens. So that's my two cents. Speaking of DC, it, it kind of seems like maybe they're figuring out their, their tone problem and they're deciding not to be so overly serious um, I mean, hiring James Gunn is a huge indication of that. The new Suicide Squad trailer looks great. I mean, the trailer is great, but the film looks great. Um, Idris Elba is in the Suicide Squad now. And uh, Pete Davidson. I like Pete D- Davidson. I know some people hate on Pete Davidson. I think he's funny. Um Yeah, the trailer looks great. Looks really funny. I believe in James Gunn. And yeah, I I think if this is the direction DC is going in, I'm excited. But I say that again as a Marvel zombie. Speaking of which, another recommendation, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm on board. Episode two is great. No spoilers. Uh, Listen, it's not WandaVision. WandaVision was really cool, really different, uh, creepy. A lot of people were saying it was Lynchian. I wouldn't go that far, but it was really bold and different and weird for an MCU property. And it got me a little too excited because I was like, oh, cool. Is Marvel going to be weird now? And then uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier started. And I was like, no, we're still uh, very Marvel-y up in here, but it works for the storyline. I really like the idea of um, a black character wrestling with the responsibility of being Captain America and Sam sort of being like, I don't even know if I want this, <laughs> you know, and also exploring the fact that there was a black Captain America and how um, black people were experimented on. Uh, by the U.S. government using the super soldier serum, which, if you know anything about the medical history of the United States, is a real thing. Black people were experimented on um, using all kinds of vaccinations and and other things um, to experiment on them before these medicines were used on the general populace. It's a really shameful, horrible chapter of our history, And this is sort of an allegory for that, you know, um, how our society treated a black Captain America versus the white Captain America. And guess what? It's very different. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Um, And it's interesting to watch the show sort of struggle, as the MCU always does, with addressing these issues because 
you can feel that the writers are torn, that they, they feel they have a responsibility to address things like police brutality, but they're always, they always pull their punches a little bit in a frustrating way. There's a lot of head nodding to issues of racism without ever really getting into it. I'm still waiting for a moment in Falcon and Winter Soldier where Sam, and maybe this moment is coming, where Sam fully explains why he doesn't want to be Captain America. He keeps saying things like, it doesn't fit, it's not right for me, but I just want to hear Sam fully articulate why he has rejected the shield. I feel like that's important and they're, they're dancing around it right now. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I feel like maybe Sam's just figuring it out. And that's going to be like a big moment in the show. I don't know. But I'm hoping it's coming. So also in recommendations, I'll do these two quickly because we got to get to bad news. Minari is phenomenal. Um, that's the, the film starring Steven Yen. Um, you've probably seen adorable video clips of Alan Kim, who's the little kid in the movie, and it's phenomenal. I mean, the rest of the, the cast is great. Um, and there's some rumblings that Minari might be a huge upset at the Oscars, which if that happens, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. Because right now, Nomadland is very much considered the frontrunner. And no shade to Chloe Zhao. I think it's a great film. I think she's a great director. I would be really, really excited to see a woman of color win Best Director in a film, in a category, in an award show that is so dominated by cis straight white men and <laughs> has been since the beginning of time. It would be really cool to see Chloe win, but man, I will never, ever, ever, ever forget <laughs> Parasite beating 1917 because that was, that felt like a hugely pivotal moment for the Oscars and for our culture, not to overstate it too much, but it, it was a big moment. And I feel like Minari beating Nomadland would also be a moment like that, but we'll see. So also in recommendations, this one's on Netflix. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is great. It's been getting a ton of press because it was Chadwick Boseman's last movie. Um, his performance is incredible. It is overshadowing Another amazing performance in the film, which is Viola Davis, one of the greatest living actors, just doing her thing. She's incredible in it. Um, Chadwick Boseman must win the Oscar. He must win the Oscar. Uh, even if he was alive, I would say he must win the Oscar. He gives an incredible performance. There is a scene in this movie where he's delivering a monologue, where he's yelling at God, that every actor in every acting school in America and the world is going to perform as their monologue. It's an incredible moment. He's incredible in it. And it just has so much weight because of what he was dealing with at the time, which is he knew he was dying and he had a very serious diagnosis and you're just watching a man work through something and it's really moving. It's beautiful. I'm so sad he's gone, but go watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom to honor the legacy of Chadwick Boseman. Everybody, on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. Okay, so we got to talk about some mass shootings because I live in the United States and that's kind of our thing. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, nature's healing on Twitter when uh, news of mass shootings like this happen because if you follow mass shootings, they didn't actually ever stop during the pandemic. They, they continued to happen 
in poor communities of color, in cities, but they weren't garnering the kind of media attention uh, like the shootings in uh, um, Colorado, in Atlanta, recently received. Because unfortunately in the United States, uh, there's an attitude among many people that mass shootings are supposed to, quote unquote, happen in certain communities and not happen in other communities. And when they happen in the communities where that sort of thing isn't supposed to happen, CNN will show up. But if they happen in Southside Chicago, might not even make the front page. So mass shootings never stopped in the United States, is what I'm trying to say. But obviously the, the mass shooting in Atlanta was a horrific um, Robert Aaron Long was the gunman who killed eight people at three different spas in Atlanta. And of course, immediately <laughs> the media covered this as badly as they possibly could, where he, was a, he shot a lot of um, predominantly, mostly, Asian women. So right away, people were like, was this a hate crime? And it turns out Robert Aaron Long says through the police, which um, think of that, what you will. They had a little meeting with him and then he suddenly had this line when he came out of the meeting where he said, um, no, I'm not racist. I'm a sex addict. Okay. Um, it goes without saying you can be both. In the Venn diagram of life, if you fetishize Asian women, that is a kind of racism. So you can be both. You can be a sex addict who is attracted to Asian women and a fucking racist, you piece of shit. So there was like a, a lot of fumbling when it came to covering. Is it a hate crime? Is it not a hate crime? It's a hate crime. It's a hate crime. It's a hate crime. Now, we can have a discussion about if hate crimes, hate crime legislation benefits minority communities in the way that we would hope they would. We can have that conversation. But this nonsense of, oh, no, I'm not racist. I just wanted to um, fuck the women I murdered. Take it, take it out of my line. The, take it away. Take it away. I don't want to hear it. It's nonsense. It's stupid. So, of course, this is a hate crime as we define a hate crime. He's a racist. Um, it doesn't matter if he was sexually attracted to these women. He was targeting them because of their race. So, the, the seven victims that were killed, there was one victim killed in Cherokee County named Delane Young. Um, the other seven victims, Paul Andre Michaels, Zhao Zhe Tan, Dayu Fang, Soon Jung Park, Hyun Jung Grant, Sun Cha Kim, and Young AU. Um, there's online fundraisers for the eight victims. Uh, they've raised nearly $3 million. It's just so fucking sad, you guys. And like, what really frustrates me about all of this is there's there's been a, a rise in hate crimes, obviously, against the Asian community uh, ever since fucking Trump decided to call it Kung Flu, coronavirus, COVID, Kung Flu, and really blame China for the pandemic, even though, again, um, the pandemic didn't enter the United States from China. Um, and actually, that was a big part of how it spread because racists were so fixated on the fact that it came from Wuhan, came from China, that we didn't stop European immigrants from coming into the United States, tourists, traveling, stuff like that. and. They had it, <laughs> they brought it into the United States. But that's the thing about pandemics. You can't blame them on one region. It's not 
European tourists' fault either. We're all human beings. We can catch viruses. Viruses don't discriminate, and it's stupid to vilify one part of the world as though they're somehow like failing at being people because they got sick. The United States has had outbreaks, but the rest of the world doesn't like call us mad cow disease people, you know, even though that was a pandemic that occurred here. Um, so, or even the, the Spanish flu, which did not start in Spain, it started in the United States and we rebranded it. <laughs> so we wouldn't be blamed for it. But it's stupid to discriminate against a region, a part of the world because of illness. Because anybody can get sick. And you wouldn't want people to be mean to you if you were the sick one. So don't be mean to somebody else. Anyway. So there's been this rise in hate crimes. There's been terrible, terrible stories here in New York City, in Chinatown, and other parts of the city. There, it was a horrible story about a mom who had her little girl with her. And she was on her way to a protest against these hate crimes and a man assaulted her. And it's just like, it's so frustrating. It makes me so sad and angry. But the thing that really sets me off is if you see this shit happen, do something. Like if you're an ally, and I know not everybody feels phys like comfortable physically intervening, I get that. Especially if you're like a woman by yourself, you know, like you're like, what can I do? You don't even have to attack the attacker or anything like that. But <clears throat> go up to the person who's being harassed. Go up to the person who was just attacked and be like, are you OK? Can I sit with you until someone can come help? Do something. Get a photograph of the guy. Like intervene in a way that you feel comfortable, but do something. Even if you freeze and the attack happens, the person runs, they get away, go up to the person who's just been attacked and be like, can I, how can I help you? Can I get you water? Can I sit with you? Anything. How can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And if, if they can't say anything, you just sit with them until somebody gets there. But like, do something, please. I'm like begging you, please, like help any way you can. Like, it breaks my heart when I hear about accounts like this and, and the person is like, and no one did anything. No one helped me. Somebody laughed at me. No one asked if I was okay. Like, fuck yourself, fuck yourself, fuck yourself. And I, I also just, like, it scares me because I don't recognize that city. Like, that's really scary to me because I've seen people get jumped in stuff in New York. And somebody always goes up to them and they're like, are you okay? Can I, like, help? Can I sit with you? That's always been the way as long as I've been around, which is now over a decade. And I am really freaked out <laughs> if that's no longer the case. Maybe that's an anomaly. Maybe these people were fucking racist and didn't want to intervene. But like, come on. And you know what? I, I should say, too, that people are doing great work where there are organizations who you can volunteer and like, offer to walk with an elderly Asian person if they need to go get groceries or something and you can like escort them. So people are doing really great work too. But man, if if you see something, make yourself useful. <laughs> like in any way you can. We're not all fighters and that's okay. We don't need to be. In fact, oftentimes fighting can make things worse. But think about the victim, prioritize the victim offer your services. Okay? Yay. And then of course there was another mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado. Um and it occurred at a mall and there have now been calls for what always happens after something like this to ban automatic weapons, to increase background checks. Um, I should say that, so the shooter, Ahmad Al-Aliwi, Alisa, um, took the lives, killed 10 shoppers, employees, and a responding police officer. 
So it was very predictable what happened. Whenever there's a mass shooting like this, everybody's sort of scrambling to figure out who the shooter was. And usually in the United States, it's a single white man. In this case, um, it was a man whose uh, family had emigrated from Syria, according to his brother, uh, most likely was suffering from some kind of mental illness. Witnesses of the shooting said that he had stripped out of his clothing. He was exhibiting some clear signs of mental distress um, before the shooting, during the shooting, after the shooting. So it's predictable because there was this scrambling to um, make some claims that were baseless when the shooting was happened. A lot of, of people jumped to the assumption that it was probably a white man. And then, of course, that's bad because when it turns out that, um, oh, shooter wasn't white, then, of course, the right is it feels so vindicated that they're like, aha, aha, I bet you're not going to cover this, MSNBC, <laughs> which... You know, maybe if we didn't rush to assign um, blame so quickly, we wouldn't have to backpedal in that way. So, yeah, guys, maybe let's just wait for all the facts to come out before we we get too uh, giddy on Twitter. But then there are other pr uh, predictable responses to a shooting like this, right? So immediately the left is like, we, we got to ban assault weapons, we got to have stricter background checks. But at least what we know from the Eagle's Nest Armory in uh, Irvada, they confirmed Thursday night that they sold uh, Alyssa, Alisa, I don't know how you pronounce his name, the shooter, um, they sold him a gun because he passed the required background check. So they did do a background check. <laughs> so I, I think this issue is so complicated because people want there to be a neat solution. They want to say, well, if we just do this kind of background check, we magically won't have mass shootings anymore. If we just ban this kind of gun, we magically won't have mass shootings anymore. And I'm not one of those people who's just saying, it's complicated, therefore let's not try anything. But I think it's a mistake at this point to look to the federal government for any kind of solutions. <laughs> and in fact, any solutions we've seen since Sandy Hook have occurred at the state level. And some states have had a lot of success. Connecticut's a great example. Uh, they have very, very strict gun laws. Now, you could still get a gun from out of state and bring it across state lines, but they are a success story in terms of passing strict statewide legislation. So I think in order to break this cycle of predictable responses where the right is saying thoughts and prayers and the left is saying background checks, ban assault rifles, every single time something like this happens and it, it's frustrating because it feels like nothing, it doesn't just feel like it, nothing ever changes. <laughs> You would, you would be better served aiming your energy at the statewide level because it feels like stuff is happening in states that will not happen at the federal level. So if you live in Colorado, if you live in Georgia, if you live in any state where you are witnessing gun violence and you feel like you want to do something, get involved at the state level you would be much wiser, I think, to use your efforts doing that than contacting your, your Senate representative. At this point, the federal government's just a mess. They're deadlocked on all things. Um, and yeah, I think that ultimately the answer is not gonna be if we ban this type of gun things will magically heal themselves. I think it's going to look way more like better funding mental health care services, raising the minimum wage, um, 
universal basic incomes, expanding Medicare, like taking better care of people so they don't deteriorate to the point where they shoot a bunch of people. And I'm not even saying that will be foolproof. Maybe we'll always have mass shootings in the United States, but not to this level, I hope. But it's going to look like lifting people out of poverty and taking better, better care of people. I really do think that. I don't think we're going to be able to get out of this by just banning assault rifles and expanding background checks. Guys, on that note, it's that was so heavy. Here's your good news. All right, we, we got to talk about Big Boat, Little Canal, okay? Because I feel that there is a really underreported aspect of this story. Some might say criminally underreported. And again, if you're driving, pull over. But keep your seatbelt on because I'll, I'll blast you out of that damn car with what I'm about to tell you, okay? So in case you missed this story, first of all, I feel real sorry for you. There is a very large cargo ship that's stuck in the dang Suez Canal, all right? So, and it's, it's been there for a minute, and nobody can get around this, this big old cargo ship, and it's causing some headaches. But a very underreported aspect of this story, and I pray it's real, and that it's not fake news, but I don't know if Vice reported on it, so it seems pretty legit. Apparently, right before this cargo ship ran ashore and got stuck, if you look at the uh, radar for the route it was taking, it looks as though that whoever was steering the ship, the captain, drew a penis and a butt. And I will link to this image, okay? If you follow us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. That's where I post all images referenced on the show, My Trees and Pod. It does very much look like he drew both a penis and a butt. Now, the company that owns the ship was like, that is a coincidence. And I find that very hard to believe. But they are claiming that <laughs> it, it was not deliberate. This is a, according to Ever Given is the, na the name of the company, uh, a, a Taiwan-owned com company. They are saying that it, it's not a penis and a butt. It, it might look like a penis and a butt, but it's not a penis and a butt. And I say... <laughs> a likely story. I think it's real. I hope it's real. I find the story to be very funny. I find it very funny that the ship is still stuck. I think it's still stuck. Hold on. Suez Canal. Okay. Let's see if it's still stuck. <laughs> yes, it's still stuck. <laughs> As of four hours ago, still stuck. Just so funny to me. I, I can't imagine being the captain and realizing it was bad and then realizing how bad it was. And now no one can get cargo through the Suez Canal. I mean, talk about a bad day at work, right? But the story tickles me. It's a penis and a butt. I don't care what anybody says. And that's why it's in the good news section. Also in the good news section, I wanted to shout out Ken Klippenstein, who, if you don't follow him on Twitter, what are you doing? Ken's great. He's over at The Intercept now doing some great work. And the other day, if you missed the drama on Twitter, it all started when Representative Mark Pocan tweeted a little sass about uh, the 15... Uh, Fight for 15 movement, paying workers a minimum of $15 an hour. And 
I won't get into too much of the background because it was like somebody responding to somebody responding to somebody. But anyway, the point he was making was he tweeted, paying workers $15 an hour doesn't make you a progressive workplace. And in this case, he's talking about Amazon. When your union busts and make workers urinate in water bottles. So uh, this, of course, he's referring to a story, several stories about Amazon workers who are so overworked that they don't even have enough time to take uh, bathroom breaks, so they urinate in water bottles. And there have been a lot of like anecdotes like this circulated in the media of workers who probably don't feel safe speaking on the record because they don't want to lose their jobs, obviously. So they just start, sort of start floating in the ether like, yeah, we all know that workers piss in bottles because Amazon mistreats their workers. So there's a verified account called Amazon News that replies to Representative Mark Pocan and says, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you? If that were true, nobody would work for us. The truth is that we have over a million incredible employees around the world who are proud of what they do and have great wages and health care from day one. I like that tweet because it's essentially saying, we love our lying workers. So anyway, Ken sees this and is like, hmm, interesting. So he has an article over at The Intercept, <laughs> including official Amazon documents that show, guess what? And again, I hope you pulled over the damn car. Amazon is very much aware that their drivers have to pee in bottles. Um, and even sometimes shit where you should not be shitting despite denying these claims. So uh, one of these memos that came out from Jen Snyder, who's an on-road area manager for Amazon Logistics, says, this evening an associate discovered human feces in an Amazon bag that was returned to station by a driver. This is the third occasion in the last two months, <laughs> when bags have been returned to station with poop inside. We understand that DAs may have emergencies while on road, and especially during COVID, DAs have struggled to find bathrooms while delivering. Re regardless, DAs cannot, must not, return bags to station with poop inside. So at the very least, Jen Snyder, on-road area manager of Amazon Logistics, is very much aware that drivers have had to shit in bags because they don't have the time or resources to shit elsewhere. So Amazon is fucking lying when they say <laughs> that, that it's not true, that workers don't uh, have to pee and poop creatively because they don't have enough time to uh, peep and poo where they should. I'm also putting this in the good news section. Well, I'm putting it in the good news section, A, because it's very funny that Amazon was publicly outed like this. B, great reporting by Ken Klippenstein. C, the fucking art <laughs> in this article. So you know how the Amazon logo looks like a smile with like a dimple, but it also kind of looks like an arrow? So they photoshopped it so the arrow is pointing into a bottle like you're supposed to pee in here. And it's very funny, it's very creative. It will also be on our Instagram account if you want to have a visual component to all of this. Guys, I had more good news, but I'm out of time and I have to go because I'm about to blow out my voice. It's very hard to do this on your own. I know I make it seem effortless, but you're, you're like, no, you don't. You, you do sound like you're struggling. Um, you can follow us everywhere on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you're a grandma. We're everywhere. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, if you want extra content, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. That's where all of the bonus episodes are. That's where you can send in your recommendations, comments, questions, anything like that. I hope you have a great weekend, everyone. I hope you got the vaccination. I hope your parents got vaccinated, your grandparents, all of that good stuff. Hang in there. You're doing great. Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 